Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, and I want to thank the folks at TommyJohn.com for sponsoring the Weekly Standard. We really appreciate their support. And guys, if you're not familiar with Tommy John's fantastic men's products, you are in for a treat. Tommy John is a revolution in men's underwear that focuses on fit, fabric, and function. Shirts that stay tucked. Socks that stay up and underwear that keeps everything in place, whichever way a man moves. Now, when they came to me and said, Michael, we want you to try on our socks, underwear and T-shirts and talk to the podcast listeners about them. I said, you know, you may have found the worst person in America to do this. I'm not a clothes guy. I Underwear. My only question about underwear in the past was how many holes can they have in them before they're technically not underwear? But I'll say it. TommyJohn.com has been life changing. Look, I'm longer in the torso, so T-shirts never stay tucked. And so at some point during the day, my T-shirt has ridden up under my armpits. I hate that. I was always the guy who had to find a discreet corner to remove the wedgie because my underwear didn't fit quite right. And I didn't really think about it. I just was walking around uncomfortable. Then I tried Tommy John underwear. Wow. It's like somebody who understands how men are shaped actually designed these. The T-shirts have a patented taper design. They're longer and form-fitting with just the right amount of stretch. And the socks have a unique technology that keeps them from sagging. I love TommyJohn.com products. It's all I'm wearing from now on, and I think you will too. But don't take my word for it. Try them for yourself. 20% off and support the Weekly Standard podcast, go to TommyJohn.com slash Weekly Standard. Use the promo code Weekly Standard. That's TommyJohn.com slash Weekly Standard. Guys, you're going to love them. And now that we're all comfortable, let's talk to my good friend, Mark Hemingway. Uh, Mark, I started my radio career in Charlotte, and so it really it hurts me to right. see the chaos and the violence on the streets. It's not the kind of place where you think of, say, like a Detroit or, you know, Watts in, the, in, in L.A. where you think maybe the people are on edge and ready to riot. Right. That, that was, that's just not the Charlotte vibe. No. In fact, um, I used to cover the Federal Reserve for years at a financial wire service, and uh, I spent a lot of time in Charlotte oh, okay. because, you know, Charlotte's a big Bank banking America, town. Right? Yes, Nation's Bank. Um, and my impression of Charlotte was that it might possibly be the most boring major city in America. <laughs> I mean, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I mean, no, I know exactly it, what it you was, mean. The downtown was impeccably clean nice yep. everyone was thoroughly courteous and all of the restaurants yeah. were closed by 10 p.m exactly when you're night. when your uh, slogan is charlotte gateway to rock hill right yeah that's not exactly but no it very definitely underscores what you're saying you know you do not expect mm. a place like charlotte to necessarily be a major place mm. of unrest you know obviously i know there's not mm. nicer parts of it but um it still doesn't strike you as being you know the epicenter of right. these issues like maybe a detroit would or a st louis would. and so my question is twofold one is it what's happening in charlotte has unfortunately happened repeatedly in the last 18 months or so not every week but it's it's becoming a common phenomenon and it's being viewed mostly by the great you know massive voters out there who are watching it happen on their tv that's right so my question to you is what do those two things the fact that this is almost becoming a a new normal and accepted norm and then the fact that you know every voter in america in a way is interacting with it through their tv set what does that mean, do you think, for the uh, presidential race and the political campaigns heading into November? Well, I think there are two ways of looking at it. There's the macro level, and then there's a, a sort of smaller, more micro level. Um, uh, on the macro level, I mean, clearly there is a divide in this country between the way that the media cover these things and the way that partisans react to them, which is to say that whenever there's a big local problem and a Republican's president, this is a major federal problem we need to deal with. Um, for instance, you know, Hurricane Katrina, there, there's absolutely 
absolutely no doubt uh, in my mind that uh, having spent a lot of time in Louisiana, that local corruption played a huge role in causing that. Wait, wait, wait. You're suggesting that there's corruption in Louisiana? Right. Uh, uh, um, local corruption in, you know, um, uh, played a big role in, in the fact that the safety measures and other things weren't mm-hmm. followed and lots of people died. And yet it became you know, George Bush's problem in that case, which is not to say that you know, I wouldn't criticize aspects of the federal response. But you know, subsequently, the guy that was mayor of New Orleans at the time you know, went to jail. I mean, there, there's all these sorts of you know, big flashing neon signs that right. said that you know, maybe these guys should have been held more accountable for what happened in New Orleans. But instead, it landed at George W. Bush's feet. Um, and now we have a situation here where there are near weekly race riots in this country. And because President Obama uh, is in charge, this is like some weird local um, uh, phenomenon where the, right. the local police are corrupt and or we have these broader cultural issues that you and I need to address um, you know, because we're all right. part of this tainted American culture rather than landing at the feet of the federal government. Uh, and to the extent that the federal government has gone in, we've seen things like where right. members of the Justice Department go in and they, they get involved in organizing with um, the local Black Lives Matter people and other things like that. And, and the question is whether or not the federal government is playing a, a helpful role there in the local community rather than pushing a particular set of politics. You know, my uh, Twitter friend and the editor of the Ricochet podcasts, uh, John Gabriel, ex-John, yeah. is fond of saying the best thing about the Obama era is all the racial healing. <laughs> and he has retweeted that out regularly when these events come right. up. There, it, it, there, it's beyond dispute, in my opinion, and there, we have poll data to show this, that the racial tension is higher today than it was when President Obama was elected. Absolutely. But the answer, and in fact, uh, Maureen Dowd said this in a uh, podcast with our friends at the Washington Examiner just this week, that it's because the election of a black president in, you know, unleashed the white racism. And there are so many Americans who are angry that there's a black president that that's why we have the racial tension today. And I look around and I, I don't see a lot of evidence to back that up. And I certainly don't see it being a backdrop for Charlotte. How is even if her thesis were true, how would, you know, whatever, you know, angry Archie Bunkers out in the world cause the uh, events we've seen in Charlotte and elsewhere. Well, I mean, I could see that argument being made around the margins, but I also see a situation here where things are actually um, even better in the sense that Obama is insulated from a lot of criticism simply because people don't want to appear racist by, you know, going out and attacking sure. him. It's it's kind of an untestable hypothesis because Obama is simultaneously our first black president and simultaneously um, our most liberal and progressive president, right. uh, arguably, on several fronts. So uh, you, it's hard to tell what people would be objecting to in that, in that regard. But regardless, we're looking ahead now to the next election. And like I said, on the macro level, I mean, that, that's the issue. We, I think mm-hmm. we've sort of addressed that. On the micro level, this is, I think, having an immediate impact on the um, presidential election in November, which is to say that North Carolina is tight as a tick has been for a number of election cycles and, um, you know, law and order is a big pull in elections. I mean, you know, this was Nixon's silent majority. I mean, this is an issue mm-hmm. that has certainly, you know, reared its head in other local elections as these in the last two years as these riots have been sort of happening. So I honestly, if you want to Trump to win North Carolina, you know, having uh, protesters loot a few more stores mm-hmm. in North Carolina and, you know, throw rocks at cars on the highways and other things that are going on right now. I mean, it seems to me like this, this is probably helping Trump. Trump. Um, and uh, um, it would be very interesting to see some re- new polling out of North Carolina. Well, the uh, new NBC Wall Street Journal poll says that Hillary leads Trump 76 to 5 among black voters. And they uh, and it's noted that at this point in 2012, Obama was leading Mitt Romney 95 to 3. So yeah. 76 percent, you know, down from 95 percent. Obviously, 
historic black president. You're going to have black voters, you know, engaged, emotionally can understand that to a degree. But does this reflect part of the problem? And I'll ask a question someone asked me earlier. How does rioting in the streets that has an overwhelming racial context inspire you to go and vote for the rich old white lady, as one person put it. I don't, I don't has, is this making it easier for Hillary to close that enthusiasm gap harder? No impact. I, yeah, I think that's an interesting observation, and, and I, I think it's, it's mostly on target. I mean, the reality is that the black community isn't nearly as liberal, and they're certainly not mm-hmm. progressive liberals um, in the sense that we think of democratic activists as being. Um, you right. know, they tend to be much more traditional. They tend to have you know decent rates of church mm-hmm. attendance, other things like that, and they're not nearly as socially liberal uh, as there are, as Democrats would probably like. Yet, for various historical reasons, for the last fifty years, they've had uh, a Democratic parties had a virtual lock mm-hmm. on the African American vote. But, uh, you know, obviously Obama had a particular historical and, uh, you know, um, Mm -hmm. um, claim and his identity really, you know, unified the black community. I don't think they're going to extend that to Hillary Clinton to the same degree. Um, Like you point out, a lot of what's going on right now is uh, economic anxiety. And I don't think that um, they're going to give Hillary Clinton the benefit of the doubt on on that. Um, And and secondarily, for all the stuff that's been thrown at Trump, uh, I just don't think that... um, People see Trump's racism in quite mm-hmm. the same light as progressives present it. I mean, I, I think uh, most people see it more as an, a, encompassing resentment rather than mm-hmm. sort of a pathological hatred of people right. because of their their skin color. And certainly in the black community, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety about jobs uh, mm-hmm. and uh, black attitudes about uh, immigration. For instance, we pull them are not what Democratic sure. uh, um, activists would would like to well, tout. Why should they be? If you're a young high school graduate. And you're a guy, black or Hispanic American, black or Hispanic. Who are you competing with for entry level jobs? Yeah. You're the you're competing with the illegal immigrant. And who's cheating you out of those jobs by working off the books, by not playing by the rules, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so right. it's a, you, you can see the front row line. I don't know that Trump can make any mileage of that because, as you mentioned, the historic con- context. But here's the last question. There's another way to look at the riots in the streets issue, which is chaos. More mm-hmm. and more around the country, whether it's terrorists who – you think about the, the, the uh, events we just had in New York. Only because the marine jogging uh, – the marine run started late. Yeah. You know, and you know, the, the re, you know, and a relay failed, et cetera. You know, we, we got lucky that there weren't more deaths. Only because that bomb was under a, uh, a, a trash, what do you call it, a dumpster, which, right. by the way, it threw 150 feet in the air. That's how powerful that bomb was. Only because the other bombs were found didn't detonate. This could have been a horrific weekend in deaths as opposed to a horrific weekend of fear. And that death, chaos, Orlando, chaos, you know, San Bernardino, chaos. People in relative, you know, just going about their business. They're not in combat. They're not in a tall tower. They're at work or they're at a nightclub in chaos. Then you have... From uh, you know Missouri all the way now through to um, to Oklahoma and Charlotte, chaos. Trump is the candidate of chaos. Yep. You can say, well, he's going to knock heads together, law and order guy. Well, yeah, I get that, but as a person, as you know, he is the kind of you know unknown element you're adding to this formula. Could it be the case that some people go, you know what, we don't need to make this worse by electing Donald Trump and adding more you know, fuel to this fire, maybe we should just 
take a pass on change and suck it up with Hillary for more years. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are making that argument. But you also remember that argument cuts both ways, which mm-hmm. is say we had, sure. you know, three terrorist attacks within the matter of a few hours on Saturday. And the Obama administration's response was to send their press secretary out there and explain that we're winning the narrative fight when real literal bombs are going off. I think that the semblance of order right. uh, that Hillary Clinton and the Obama administration uh, are sort of presenting that 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 they they have control on this isn't something that people necessarily uh, believe either. Right. So um, it's really it, voters are going to have to roll the dice in either direction. You know, either they're going to take <laughs> Trump's word that you know he you know he actually is concerned about this stuff, and, and whatever right. you want to say about Trump, uh, he he's he maybe his overreaction to terrorism might be some more comforting to some people than you know the the not reacting right. to it the way that the Obama uh, administration and, and Hillary Clinton did as Secretary of State. We, we don't use the word terrorism here on the weekly podcast we call it intentional acts man caused and disasters s- and sometimes military kinetic action right. is required but i just want to keep that clear and you can laugh all you want but w- until you've been hit by a pressure cooker bomb full of narrative you just don't know how bad it can be out there mark hemingway thanks so much for joining us for the weekly standard podcast we appreciate your time thanks again And thanks to TommyJohn.com for sponsoring this episode of The Weekly Standard. Tommy John makes underwear that keeps everything in place whichever way a man moves. For 20% off your first purchase, go to TommyJohn.com slash Weekly Standard and use the promo code Weekly Standard. That's TommyJohn.com slash Weekly Standard, promo code Weekly Standard.